sapphire gemstones occur in a variety of colours, apart from one that can't be bought. What is it? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott, and this is Lateral. Welcome to the show, where three guests are going to drive at high speed towards a wall of difficult problems. It's a lateral thinking car crash in slow motion, and we start <laughs> by meeting from Escape This Podcast, returning to the show, our regular Bill Sunderland. Hello, I'm, I'm excited to be back. Uh, last time, I, I mean, there was less character work than usual from you. We had, we had a long who's on first riff, but at no point do we meet, do we meet a, a strange character that you're improving off the spot. Well, you know, you said to me, I hate your character work. I never want to see it again. No more hair, nobody nonsense. Just stick to the facts. And I stuck to the facts. <laughs> None of that's true. But you know what? It's still plausible. Um, also from Escape This Podcast, Danny Siller. Hello, hello. He's actually covering for me. I'm the one who did that off screen. I'm the one who told <laughs> all of those things. <laughs> and rounding out the trio for today, uh, from the Flute Channel and frankly a world-class flutist in her own right, Emily Broder. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming back. Welcome, uh, welcome back on the show. Um, how was it last time? It was your, your first time here. How did you find it? Oh, I, I loved it. Very, uh, very funny. And my opponents are very good. I was impressed. Uh, whoa, hold on a second. Wait, no, we're all working together <laughs> Wait, here. Yeah, we're you're right. Opponents. It's a very poor choice of word. I, I, I was looking for a better word, but whatever. The only real <laughs> opponent is Tom Scott. Yeah, I prefer it when the players are playing against each other, because that way you're not ganging up on me. Uh, Our game is all about ignoring convention and connecting the dots in whatever way we like, even if it means we end up with a mad scribble instead of the unicorn we're looking for. And we start with question number one. This has been sent in by Peter Scandrip, so thank you for this. The Lovell Telescope at Jodrell Bank in Cheshire, England, has to do something for a reason that the Parkes Radio Telescope in New South Wales, Australia, does not. What is it? So one more time, the Lovell Telescope at Jodrell Bank in Cheshire, England, has to do something for a reason that the Parkes Radio Telescope in New South Wales, Australia, does not. What is it? Oh boy. Do either of you know anything about the Lovell Telescope, first of all? Sadly, no. I've never heard of it. Uh... The the Parkes Telescope. That's the that's the dish, right? Yeah, we've heard of it. Sadly, outside of the movie The Dish, I don't know much about it. Emily, this, we're Australians. We've heard of this this the, what what this is. Do you know what this is? The Parkes. No. Te- okay, I don't. I neither do I really. But it's just like it's a big satellite dish, isn't it? Yeah, just a huge huge one. Yeah, uh, there's a there's a classic Australian film called The Dish about the Parkes Telescope, uh, and. I think I saw it when I was a child. That's all I've got. <laughs> it is one of the sites where the moon landing footage was received on Earth. That's what it's best known for. Oh, so yeah. it's it's big. Um, it is uh, the size of a very large radio telescope. I started that analogy <laughs> and I didn't know where it was going. Um, Tom, don't you have a video of you walking around the dish? I mean, I wasn't going to name drop that in, but yes, I I might have visited there a few weeks ago. I might have been able to stand on the surface of the dish as it moved. So yeah, giant steerable radio telescope that's maybe, I I guess about 50 metres across. 
but I'm probably out by almost an order of magnitude there. But it's it's a big old bowl. But this feels All like right. we're coming up with new things for the parks telescope to do. Like, oh, they've got to wash people's footprints off it every so often and things like that. <laughs> they they once played cricket on that dish. <laughs> nice. It might be something to do with like different hemispheres. So like, yeah, yeah, because that that's like a that's a clear difference. Capting different zones. I don't know. Are they both? I I don't know the purposes of different telescopes all that much. Are they like what they're even pointing at over time? This is not my field. Does anyone? Did anyone get a better read on how this sentence was constructed? It has to turn for the same reason that Parks One doesn't have to turn. Is this where I'm at? It just has to do something, wasn't it? The Lovell Telescope, which is as famous in Britain as Parks is in Australia, okay, has to do something. For a reason that Parks doesn't. And they are very similar. In I'm sure the radio astronomy nerds will be angry at me. There are many, no <laughs> doubt, incredibly important differences between them. But from a layperson's perspective, they're, they're two big radio telescopes. Neil deGrasse Tyson is composing his tweet right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 there's, there's, there is a singular reason, or there's a singular thing that means that the Lovell Telescope does something and the Parks doesn't. There's like a right. connected reasoning that makes one do something and one not do something. Yes. Oh, Emily, I do like the hemispheres idea. I think I, I like your hemisphere theory of, of Earth. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it, is it, they're similar, but they do, they have that one difference. Uh, they, I'm sure they've got a few differences, but they. But that's the they, one we're looking for. We're looking for one difference. Yeah. In, their, in what they're doing. It doesn't have to do with their geography. Well, um... That's the sound of a man who thinks it slightly has to do with their geography, but he doesn't <laughs> give it away. <laughs> if you put the two dishes next to each other, they'd either both have to do this or neither have to do this. So it is okay. about where they are, rather than some aspect of the dish itself. Are they both observing, as a telescope would, are they both observing the same thing? And, and one of them has to do something, then the other doesn't. I'm not sure they can observe the same thing. If they ever can, it's going to be very close to the equator. Yeah, that's really true. On, that's... on other sides <laughs> of the planet. Yeah, okay, okay. So I guess we're um, on the right track. Yes, except our tracks are leading everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've got these other geographic things. So we've got Northern Southern Hemisphere. We've yep. also got, when I think of... Look, to be honest, when I think of a lot of things in the UK, I think, oh, that's the like the zero time zone. Yeah, we and are so time could zone. time be a factor? Is it just one of them has to turn on their night vision goggles if they're both <laughs> looking at something at the same time? Everything in space needs night vision goggles. <laughs> they are radio telescopes. So in this case, they're oh, not sorry. physical observing. <laughs> Whatever. They're sorry. night sound telescopes. Sorry to be all Neil deGrasse Tyson here. <laughs> are they? They're they're Capting sound. They're not emitting anything. They're just... Or, or radio waves, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're pulling in radio waves from out there in space. So it is... A, a, it's a big dish with an antenna at the focal point. Are hmm. the, um, the space stations communicating with them? Oh, God. I get to give a really technical... I get a really technical answer to this. Um... I'm going to skip over and say, no, it's, it's nothing to do with... Nothing to do with the space stations, okay. No, no. Is it, is it to do with the actual process of, like, being a radio telescope looking into space, or is it about, like, the geopolitics of, like, 
once the Australian station gets data, it has to convert it to a different standard that matches the, the British one that it doesn't have to do. Is it, is it about Earth politics? It is an annoyingly simple answer. Hmm. You, you don't need to know anything about radio astronomy or astronomy or, frankly, the stars in general to know this one. Is, is the repository for all of this information the, the Lavelle telescope? Does, does it not need to send stuff anywhere else, but everyone has to send it to them? No, in, in fact, you, do, you don't need to know anything. You already know everything you need to know about all these telescopes to work it out. Is it just that, that they want to cover more area, and so that's why, I don't know. You were almost on the right lines earlier when you were working out that, yeah, one's in the UK, one's in Australia. There's, there's some differences there. Put down the umbrellas because it was raining more in the UK. Oh, you're very close with that. Oh, come on, really? You're oh. very close. Uh, it's too hot in Australia. Uh, there are too many clouds in the UK. They don't have to hire someone to shoot kangaroos. <laughs> you're naming all the types of weather apart from the right one. Snow, snow. Snow. Which means? They, they've got to snow melt some pro- somehow. Nearly. They have to salt it. It's a big, movable dish. Oh, they've got to tilt it down. They've got to tip it. Yes. Ah, they tip <laughs> it. The old once or telescope twice a year, tip. The Lovell telescope has to tip out the snow from its side. They go vertical. <laughs> they point it vaguely in the direction of the sun, but not too close so it doesn't fry any instruments. And they let the snow melt <laughs> away and out of the bowl which parks in the middle of the heat of Australia doesn't have to do. Now, Amelie, you live in a snow country, so I'm putting all the blame on you. Uh, yeah, I should have thought of that. <laughs> this is the competitive spirit that you asked for, Amelie. <laughs> Today I taught someone how to walk on the ice without falling. Oh, that's impressive. Oh, I wish I knew that. I've been through once. Oh, wait, without falling through or without falling over? Because well, I've fallen through. Just falling on your back. Okay. Yeah, because this poor kid was just arrived here a few weeks ago from a place where there's no snow. And he was like, I'm always falling. I said, you have to walk like a penguin. So if you ever walk <laughs> on ice, walk like a penguin. Just a bit tilted forward. <laughs> the kid arrives. He falls, he falls over immediately and sees Amelie just gr- gracefully screaming. Uh, waddling across the ice, playing a flute. Going, oh, well, you can't do this yet, kid? Welcome to Canada. <laughs> yes, the Lovell telescope in England occasionally has to go on its side and tip out the snow. Our first guest question comes from Amelie today. Whenever you're ready, take it away. Okay, so this listener question has been sent in by Jasper, aged six. In which sport do you have to color code your equipment for the benefit of your opponent? I repeat, in which sport do you have to color code your equipment for the benefit of your opponent? Did that, was that aged six? Because that is one of the best questions we've had <laughs> in terms of intro. That's amazing. It's so simple, but I have That's no idea. so good. Uh, feel free to cut this call back, uh, but I would say chess. As we figured out in last episode, <laughs> quite important. No. <laughs> I mean, huh. most sports that I can think of do have color coding in some fashion or another. Like for like, yeah, for players, a player's equipment. 
Is player and equipment in a sport? That's for yeah. the benefit of both teams. Like, soccer teams wear different colours, so both teams can figure out who's On their team, yeah. What would you need to colour code for your opponent? Also, equipment, not clothing. Equipment. Mm. Yeah, equipment. One of my first thoughts, right, because if, you, if you're mentioning, like, it's for your opponent specifically, is sports where you have, like, asynchronous equipment. Yes. Uh, so, like, in cricket, you have asynchronous equipment because whoever has the bats at one point in time, the other team will not. Whoever has the ball, the other team will not. Like, there is explicitly, like, if you colour code the, the bats in cricket, that is explicitly for the other, like, you know, it, it affects people, the two teams differently. How many sports with asynchronous equipment and a phrase that I am enjoying saying <laughs> can we name? I was thinking it was more like uh, uh, not fencing, because that doesn't have much colour coding in it, but something mm. where you actually have to fight your opponent so the clues are on your own body. Like paintball? Mm. Oh. Oh, that's true. That's- you do. You probably would colour code your paintball. If you're on a... If you're on a no, because you know if you've been hit or not. Like that'll that'll help in case of friendly fire. But it, you, uh, I'm out. Who? Sh- someone on my own team shot me. That's not. That's not for the benefit of the opponent. I went paintballing once uh, a while back on a uh, stag do, so bachelor party for the uh, for the Americans. And at one point, uh, they lined up all the people who were there for birthdays or like the the bachelor, the, the stag who I, like put up, and just did a, did a firing squad. On the assumption, <laughs> on the assumption that everyone would kind of go easy on them, and that shortly afterwards they'd all run away, uh, and they all did run away, apart from one who was our bachelor on our group, our, our stag, who just kind of took it for some reason, and like, come on, you cockroaches! Well, after after a couple of seconds, we sort of went, Haha, that's that's it, that's enough, and like everyone else in the group is, st- you're still firing. Why are you still firing at him? <laughs> He had to limp down the aisle on the day of the wedding. Man, man ended up with a just black and blue. Uh, it was a, it was a few weeks before, thankfully, <laughs> but he's, he he never really forgave us for that one. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was an unnecessary anecdote about paintball, which is clearly not the right answer here. Then now do some character work. <laughs> um, okay, you've got to color code equipment. You were in the right lane when you said like. Something like fencing, where you really, but like it's not that. But I mean, I don't want to say too much. You can ask me questions. Is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it like a one-on-one sport? Is it like yeah, one person versus okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. I'm back to chess. So it's a one-on-one sport, and it, presumably it's it's your own. Is it like your own body, or are you are you holding something that's color coded? You're holding something. Okay. What do you? So I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking fencing. What other sort of dueling sports are there? It's not like dueling per se, but okay. it's two people. Are you are you both trying to like get each other, or are you both trying to get something else? Like if it were archery, and you're both firing at the same target, could it be archery? Is it just color coded arrows? You're against or- each other. Ah, oh, because okay. I, I was briefly thinking biathlon there. And you've got to work out what colour your target is versus your opponent's. But that's, that's not right. That's not a one-on-one sport either. Let's change tack. What sports do six-year-olds watch? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good point. Okay. Or play. Or even play. Or play. Oh, hold on. Is this like a video game question? No. Okay. See what Tom thinks about kids 
None of them are out there playing sports anymore. I was thinking Fortnite or something like that, where like you you have color or like silhouettes or hitboxes or something like that to work out where you are so your opponent can see you. But okay, no, it's an actual physical sport. Okay. Should we should we play like twenty sports questions? Like, can this sport be played in the Olympics? Um, I'm not sure. Ooh, Let's take okay. a break while Emily Google's all Olympic sports. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay. The colors help warn you about something. Warn you warn that something's you. about to be thrown at you. Would you throw the colored equipment at somebody else? You keep the colored equipment. I am so frustrated. But your opponent can <laughs> see it. Is it capture the flag? No. Do you want another clue? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going to need yeah. one. Yeah, but let's. Bizarre. But we'll cut it out of the episode so we seem smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, the opponent's equipment has two main colors. Rival barbers with their two poles spinning, spinning. <laughs> Is it? So it's one on one. Does only one of these people at any given time have the colored thing or things, or do both people at the same time have it? They both have one. Okay. What about? Jousting. Different colors. A big, a big bi-colored lance. That's my down. nominated sport for six-year-olds. What's jousting? Six-year-olds love to joust with like two knights uh, riding down their horses and jousting nope. and falling off <laughs> mm, on their dad's shoulders or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dad's shoulder jousting is the best six-year-old sport. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, so. You are you telling your opponent where it's safe to hit or where the target positions are? No. You want another clue? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, one more. Traditionally, the colors were black and red, but that's recently changed. Black and red makes me think it, it makes me think boxing. No. Here's a warning. I'm going to hit you. So is it is it a fighting sport? Are like people coming into contact here? It's a racket sport. A racket Ooh. sport. Is it a like? Do, do, okay, do you color code? What? What are some racket sports? We got tennis. We got squash. We got badminton. We got high lie. Lacrosse. I. You might have played it like in high school sometimes, or table tennis. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're right. They oh, are okay. red and oh. black, aren't they? The, f- uh, the paddles are red and black. Yeah. For forehand, backhand. Yeah. Yeah, because you get to like you can see the orientation of the paddle. Oh my god, that's why they're coloured. Yeah, and they don't have the same texture, so the the rebound is different. So you're yeah. Oh boy. So I've I've there's a there's a great oh. um there's a great ping pong uh, anime by um, Masaki Yuasa. It's a fantastic uh, anime called Ping Pong. Uh, and it's everybody should go and watch it. But they get so intense in that they're just like, this side is red, pips in at this angle, and on this side it's the pips out. But I've shaved the pips down to this, and they get so obsessed with the with the the texture of their of their ping pong paddles. We so, had to get uh, that by running through all the racket sports. Yeah. That <laughs> that's that, how you play the hurts. game. I didn't know that's why the paddles were coloured that way. I didn't know there was anything to do with that. I had a table tennis table growing up. Yeah, and now you can have different colors that have different uh, different uh, texture. And so this way they know, oh, it's blue. It means it's going to be like faster or slower. Can you imagine being at a... I mean, obviously there are plenty of people who are, but like being at that high level of ping pong where you're like, wait a minute. 
What colour was that paddle? It flashed at me. I gotta calculate. What's the difference in trajectory? How's that gonna affect the roll? A blue paddle? Oh my gosh, it's gonna be spinning this much. I better get to this side of the table. That's an intense <laughs> table tennis. Meanwhile, yeah. there's just anime lines going in the background as a slow motion animated yeah. shot comes in. Specifically of you, Bill. Just to be clear, this is you starring in your own ping pong anime here. I don't know why you'd make any different kind of show. <laughs> the regulations of the International Table Tennis Federation allow players to have different surfaces on either side of the bat. Each surface would impart a different spin or speed on the ball. The player can flip the bat during play to vary their returns. However, the two sides must be color-coded so that the opponent can anticipate the type of shot coming towards them. One side must be black, and until 2021, the other side had to be red. However, blue, green, purple, and pink are now allowed as the other color. Good luck, folks. Next question's from me. At Saudi Arabia's popular King Abdulaziz Camel Festival, camel owners competed for a slice of $66 million in prize money. However, in 2021, 16 camels had to be ejected from the festival for a problem that has affected the festival in recent years. What? One more time. At Saudi Arabia's popular King Abdulaziz Camel Festival, camel owners competed for a slice of $66 million in prize money. However, in 2021, 16 camels had to be ejected from the festival for a problem that has affected the festival in recent years. What? Now, I don't remember hearing too much about how many camels got COVID, so I'm going to assume (laughs) that it's something we should ask, what on earth happens at a camel festival instead? Mm. Are there plastic surgeons for camels? (laughs) This is the wildest question. I don't know. (laughs) If it's millions of dollars, you might... Get a plastic surgeon for your camel to make the have the best looking camel and get the money. I don't know. Eyelash implants for your camel. (gasps) Camels do have pretty nice eyelashes. (laughs) Yeah. The other piece of wording that I found interesting in the question was that it wasn't they're not competing for sixty six million. They were competing for like a slice of this of a sixty six million dollar prize pool. So multiple camels can win. Is it a camel pizza making competition? Emily, you are much, much closer than you might think with that no. answer. And Bill, you're right. There are all sorts of prizes here. So, Emily, okay. it's not quite plastic surgery, but you have skipped through most of the hints that I've got in my notes here, and you're already dialing into what was done to these camels to make them more likely to win. Okay, so, <laughs> okay. so we're doing surgery on camels to win... A slice of 66 million. <laughs> I was then going to suggest were some of them not actually camels, they were just disguised horses. <laughs> just surgically putting humps on horses. A big problem plaguing this festival. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is just another horse. You put eyelashes on a horse, you made me think it was a camel. Uh, um, okay. So what do you... So what? Are, surely, right, Amelie, you seem to go straight to like it's a camel beauty competition. Like like crufts, but for camels. It, it, yeah, is that or is right? It, is that what is not a camel race? Because my first thought was a race, that they're racing the camels. There are many things that are part of this uh, event, but apparently this was the beauty contest. Beauty is a strong term. You are right that it is in the same kind of vein as crufts and dog shows. They are looking for certain attributes that uh, are the, the perfect, the, the platonic ideal of camel is what they're looking for. I guess it's either like a type of surgery or some makeup or something like that that's not allowed. 
Yeah. Mm. Honestly, if you were finding this after like 15 minutes of discussion, I'd give you the points already. Not there are points, but I'd give you... But you know what? You, you honed in so fast that I'm looking for a specific thing here. Did they have a preference of what they found more beautiful in a camel for dromedary versus Bactrian? Number of humps. According to my notes, they are looking for long, droopy lips, a big nose, and a shapely hump. A shapely hump. Because this was my question. I think we should all go around in a circle and start to list off what we think are the main features of a camel that one would judge. Hump is my first is my yes. first port of call. Maybe they got hump uh, enhancements. <laughs> yeah, they are you getting are injections into their humps. Dancing round the right answer. It's even to the point of injections. You've got that right, Bill. <laughs> is it did they Botox? And Botox? Danny puts it in the net. It Botox. is Botoxing oh. camels. Now, hang on, hang on. For their droopy lips or for their shapely hump? Lips, apparently. Um, to- that makes sense, but I won't deny I'm disappointed. <laughs> Poor camels. There's no lengths that, you know, humans uh, will be ready to do anything, you know? Yeah. Uh, other camels were disqualified for uh, artificially enlarged body parts uh, that were using rubber bands to... Ref- to restrict blood flow. So oh. there was there was all sorts of um I guess doping is the wrong term but artificial enhancement of camels because if you, you give someone that bigger prize pot there is a motivation for doing it. Tom, you have ruined my mental picture right now because all I'm picturing, have you seen those videos where they just keep putting rubber bands around a watermelon until it explodes, oh. but on a camel's oh, no. hump and you've ruined the internet oh, for me, bro. No. You ruined my brain. Why did I agree to come on this show when Tom Scott makes you ruin camels? <laughs> Welcome to Tom Scott ruins no, camels. that's on you. That's on you and your brain, that is. <laughs> I take no responsibility. The Camel Festival uh, had 16 camels disqualified because they had been given Botox. Our next question is from Bill. Whenever you're ready. Okay. In 2005, an establishment in Boise, Idaho, managed to stay open by selling a basic pencil and sketch pad for $15. However, a certain demographic was still very happy to pay for it. Why? I'll read that one again. In 2005, an establishment in Boise, Idaho, managed to stay open by selling a basic pencil and sketch pad for $15. However, a certain demographic was still very happy to pay for it. Why? Now, I read something that sounds potentially related, so I'm not going to say, oh, I've got this, but, oh, I'm, I'm going to be cagey, just in case. It's got to be either alcohol or marijuana or a strip club. Surely. We're in (laughs) Idaho. It's a conservative state. Uh, Although, I mean, to be fair, Boise is a big city and probably is actually quite liberal, I think. So I have a feeling this is someone doing an end run around the law. It's one of those... uh, That's what I was thinking as well. Is it because they were not allowed to sell their real thing, so they would say that they're selling that, but in reality... It was like, yes. You're 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 in the right sort of idea. Okay, there. that's yes. why you were saying uh, marijuana, maybe. Yeah, if this was if this was the 1930s, it would have been prohibition and alcohol, and mm. you know you you ferment the <laughs> you ferment the notepad for a few months, and it gives you alcohol <laughs> at the end of it. But it's I don't know. It, it can't be rolling papers for uh, for spliffs, but it's got to be something like that, surely. 
So am I am I under the impression that fifteen dollars in the long distant time of two thousand and five that would have been quite expensive for a pencil and sketch pad of these of the types that they were selling? Yes, these are more expensive. If you wanted just a pencil and a sketch pad, you'd go somewhere else and get them for a few mm. dollars. Here's my here's my thought. I'm going to assume that it's 2005 Idaho. Out of the list of alcohol, marijuana, and strip club, I'm going to assume that it's a strip club and they are selling it as a life drawing class. That you go oh, in and... That would be clever. On the other $15 is not... That's not right. No, you, that, that'd be like 50, 60. So that's got to be more than that, surely. Well, actually, Tom, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. It is... Okay. A, there was no... At no point were they like, oh, let's let's uh, take the paper and turn it into moonshine or use it to roll up. No, it was they used the sketch paper for sketching. Uh, it was illegal to be running uh, a strip club. Uh, so there was a law that banned total nudity in public, uh, which threatened to shut down strip clubs. But there was an exemption for plays and for life drawing, for art classes. So you arrive at the strip club, they... Uh, pay you a far too expensive pencil and sketch pad. And at that point, no, 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 we're just drawing life models. It's, 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 it's art. We're not just going to a strip club. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, that was their way of getting around the ban. The similar one that I had heard just recently was for marijuana, where places couldn't, you couldn't sell marijuana, but you could have marijuana. So they would just be selling expensive paper and pencils and saying, and also here's a free gift with every purchase. <laughs> That's how they get you. It, it tends uh, not to survive courts of law. That it tends to, <laughs> it tends to be someone who's got a brilliant idea that then just meets a judge who just goes, no, good, come on. It's like the it's like the the sovereign citizens of strip clubs. <laughs> so, the way you said that in my head, it's like it's a TV series like The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Well, welcome to sovereign citizens of strip clubs. I'm Michael, but I don't have a real government identity. I'm a person, not a personage, and you can't charge me with crimes. And also, now I'm taking off my clothes. Why are we giving this idea away for free? <laughs> <laughs> So yes, because of a law banning total nudity in public, uh, a strip club in Boise, Idaho, got around the law uh, by selling pencils and sketch pads for nude life art to bypass that ban. Next question then, folks. In 2009, Stansted Airport in London had to repaint something overnight due to forces beyond its control. It will be 56 years before it'll have to do that again. What was it, and why had it changed? I'll say that again. In 2009, Stansted Airport in London had to repaint something overnight due to forces beyond its control. It will be 56 years before they'll have to do that again. What was it, and why had it changed? 56 years from 2009 or from now? From 2009. I assume, actually. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> it'll be a while. It'll, it'll be the middle of the century before they have to do that. So you, they have to repaint for something that seems like it might happen periodically. Every 56-ish years, uh, some, something happens. It's like, well, can't control it. Got to repaint an airport. Hey, Tom, uh, I think you may have read the question wrong because that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> also, how many airports does London have? 
I, I didn't realize I'd be finding a new one. There's a there's a Jay Foreman video all about this. But the uh, <laughs> Heathrow, Gatwick, Luton, Stansted, technically Southend, I think that's closed now. Uh, and if you really, really push it, Oxford, which for a while tried to be London Oxford Airport, and they're, they're not fooling Ooh. anyone. Oh, also London <laughs> City. Uh, so at least five, maybe more. Too many airports. Yes. Did they repaint the inside or the outside? It's outside. Okay. Outside. I'm, I'm feeling cryptic vibes here. Would <laughs> other airports have had to change whatever this is, do you reckon? It, Ooh, this, is, this is less cryptic vibes and me just avoiding giving too much of a clue too early. There, There is a certain demographic uh, of my listeners right now that uh, know this because of someone else's video and will be spending the next five minutes or so just repeatedly screaming it uh, at, at the, the speaker. So good luck. So we're just telling <laughs> on ourselves. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah, that's a good question, Amelie, that it's like it's outside or inside. Because like outside, you can start to think about like weather or things that happened, you know, like uh, so, something from the outside that is like caused, like it could have been damage in some form that they have to paint over. Yeah. Um, like every 56 years, a, a particular comet flies overhead and the color of the comet mixes with the color of the paint and the paint shrivels and burns away. And they said, why did we use comet paint? And then they fix it and, and then they painted the same comet paint. I don't know why they wouldn't just use normal paint, but 56 years later, they're going to have to do it <laughs> so, again. So, Bill, <laughs> like, obviously, none of that's none of that's right. That's that's what? not even close. But on a, on a purely like spiritual it, level, yes, on a spiritual level, you are closer than you think. Unbelievable. When you say forces beyond their control, does that have anything to do with birds? <gasps> I don't know why I have a bird yeah, vibe. Birds jumped into my head as well. I pictured like a migration. Oh, the 56-year migration patterns. Yeah, yeah the flies right know. over the airport and all the birds poop at once and <laughs> cover the airport. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like all these Canada geese every 56 years think, let's go to London. That'd be nice. It's been 56 years. <laughs> they fly over and they poop on an airport. I mean, there oh, are those um, insects, the cicadas, like locust things that uh, yes. hatch every seven or 13 years. So oh, that's, yep. like, it's not... Completely out of the question, that. Um, unfortunately yeah, not. 56 years, the goose trees hatch and all the geese come out. Also, I think those cicadas are based on prime numbers. I think it's 7 and 13 because it means that they don't tend to interact with cycles of predators or something like that. I remember something mm, vaguely ooh, about that. That's good. I it's like actually that. just because they're big nerds. All cicadas, <laughs> huge nerds. <laughs> So my one thought, and I'm a little bit afraid because this is going into areas that I don't know very well, but mm. we seem to be pinpointing the word forces. So I wondered, is this magnetic shifts or something? Is this when the poles oh. change? Oh, what? What? And it strips the paint from the building? No, or they, that's no, not what no, I meant. They're painted, <laughs> no, because they're painted for like... For like, that was, for like that, to use a soccer metaphor, that was a perfect cross from the corner <laughs> into the nine-yard box. You're right there it's, and just completely swings and misses and it goes off into the crowd. So, so you actually think it's about like painting to line up with the magnetic, to like what New North is. Because it's like north is slightly yeah, different. Something like that. Yes, that's the forces beyond their control. So what are they painting and why? 
we know that they're painting the outside of the airport. But you want us to be more specific? No, they're mm. painting something. <gasps> oh no, they're painting something else. They're painting a specific... They're not just, oh God, the, the, the magnetic poles have shifted a little. We're going to have to whitewash the outside of the airport again. This is a very specific thing that's being painted. Okay. Allow, allow me to, to, to take a dip into the, into the pool of Tom Scott viewers that he was talking about earlier. I think <laughs> are the ones who are also CGP Grey viewers. There we I go. Feel like we have seen CGP this. Grey uh, did a, a, a fantastic video, but it was all about like the very specific ways in which runways are marked and numbered and painted. And it's to do with to do with north south orientation and angles and all that sort of nonsense. So when it changes, I guess I have to update their runways to be like, oh, okay, hey, all of your equipment says something different now. Let me let me fix the runways. Yeah, you can't go on runway thirty six if you're coming in at a bearing of thirty eight now or something. Yeah, you've you've got it. So uh, runway numbers are based on the compass bearings that they're on. So. If it's a bearing of uh, 234, they'll round it to 230 and then drop the zero. So that would be 23. And then occasionally the magnetic North Pole will move enough that the airport has to go out, scrub off the old runway number and paint in 22 or 24 or something like that because it doesn't match up anymore. Danny, the last guest question of the show is all yours. Take it away. This might be a bit of a callback to our last episode assuming it didn't get cut. A crook, or a criminal, hangs around the entrance to an apartment block and observes one of the residents going inside. However, when he sees the electronic number pad that secures the front door, he realises he's wasted his time. Why? One more time. A crook hangs around the entrance to an apartment block and observes one of the residents going inside. However, when he sees the electronic number pad that secures the front door... He realises he's wasted his time. Why? Is this literally the anecdote I did last time I was here? That uh, he could get it to 50-50, but if he got it wrong once, the police would come. It is not that, thankfully. No. No, Tom, obviously this is uh, Johnny No Fingers, who was casing <laughs> the joint that, ah, I'm going to get in there later, they're going to have the door... It's going to be unlocked. I'm going to get in. I'm going to... The only thing that could stop me is some kind of security device that requires me to use my fingers to push it. Oh, no! It's an electronic lock! I'll never get it. Ah, Johnny No Fingers loses again. The character works back. It took two episodes, but the character work is back. I don't even know why I chose this career path. I got no fingers to hold the loot. What am I going to do? I got a cash bag full of mug. I got one of those big bags. There's a dollar sign on it. It keeps slipping out of my hands. Emily, please save us from the shtick. <laughs> it was a natural um, career path because he couldn't leave fingerprints anywhere. Hey. That's why I chose it. I thought I'd be safe, but of course I can't do any crimes. Just to be clear, this is not the story I told last time about how the numbers are, are worn off and he could just tell which, which numbers were being used a lot on the keypad. No, because that seems like it would be a bonus for him, if anything. Uh, right, but, okay. Yeah. Okay. So he saw the pad and he's like, "That's I lost, I lost my time. Yeah, he said. Not a, and he hasn't wasted his time as in, oh, I could have done this much faster. He's wasted his time and is leaving. Oh, right. Okay, I, I misunderstood that. I, I assumed that it, that it was a pad that you looked at and like, oh, I don't need to have cased the joint at all. I could have just walked in. Yes, I gather that. I'm glad we clarified. Okay. Because, so, like, if you're a thief, you went up to the, to the pad and then you saw that all the numbers, it was like 
uh, a four-digit code, but the label was, hey, the code is everybody's net worth. And you're like, four-digit net worth? What am I going to steal from these people? And then he leaves. <laughs> what kind of information? I'm setting up the question of what kind of information could you get from an electronic lock, lock pad that would make you be like, ah, not worth breaking into. So there's something about the code or the way it's entered that means... Yeah. Does it mean that you turn away because you know there's nothing valuable in there or you turn away because you know you will never make it inside or it's too secure? Very fair question. Or is it just one of those things, like, when you talk about, like, security systems, a lot of security systems are set up to be like, oh, hey, these are this is the security system, oh, there's a camera on you, oh, there's this, that, or the other. And half of those are lies, but they're there just specifically so that this happens right you go up to the lock and then you lean in you look at it and it says this has a camera we now have your face on camera and you're like ah well if i break in now they got my face um i'm not i'm not johnny no face they can't identify <laughs> me by the face <laughs> that's my one weakness is, is there something that's like haha if you do this crime you're gonna get caught now I wouldn't say that, no. And I think a little bit to focus on is what was the criminal's plan initially? Like based on what we heard, he observed one of the residents going inside and then went to try it himself. So what was, it, what was he planning on doing? So did he notice that that person maybe wasn't worth the risk? No, the person didn't particularly matter. They were just a resident of this building. So it's really about the, the pad. It is about the security. So he's looking at the pad, and I've assumed he, you know what, not all criminals are men. They are, they are Yeah, but Johnny No Fingers is a real man's man. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're shoulder surfing the the password or the passcode that goes in. Uh, I've realised that shoulder surfing is a term from like hacker movies in the 90s, but I'm going to stick with it, um, to try and see what the code is that's being typed in. So could that code be a could that code convey information somehow? Could that code be an, a number that gives a clue about something? I'm going to go with there was they were probably not quite shoulder surfing exactly. They probably I assume they were wearing the full typical thief's get up so they might have <laughs> hung back a bit. They didn't want to be seen quite that much. It's a normal pad with numbers. Define normal. Oh, come on. One to nine with a a little star and a hashtag. It does have the number zero to nine plus the, you know, a, I guess a backspace and a yes button. Oh, I feel like I've got nothing to grasp onto with this question. Now you know how Johnny No Fingers feels. <laughs> God damn it. I, I hate that your callback worked that well. That's really annoying. <laughs> It is basically just as you are going through this picture in your head of exactly what is happening and exactly as he gets up to this number pad, something about your assumption about this visual might not be correct. Emily would know all about this. He got up to the pad and he was, and he just like, I can't put in this code because these numbers are ridiculous because they were all English translations of French numbers where they were like four tens and a 50 I'm like no i don't i don't want i want 90 you mean four tens and a couple of 20s no i don't yeah four 20s and a 10 exactly that's how we say 90. Four 20s yeah. and a 10. <laughs> it's fine you're not you're not danish danish is far worse really i think the danish for 70 is something like three and a half 20s except the way they say three and a half is four minus a half 
So it's oh. four minus a half times 20. I, I have done a video yeah. about this in the past. Now I can't remember the details. I apologize to the Danes for getting it wrong, but it's something like that. It's, it's I'll never weird... apologize to the Danes. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you to my producer who's just fact-checked me. Yeah, 97 in Danish is seven plus minus <laughs> a half plus five times 20. That's the order in which <laughs> you, you say the number. And of course, like, that's not what their brain's doing. You just no, hear it like any other number. But that's, that's where the word comes that's from. That's the word. So yeah, is that it? Did we solve it? On this number pad, <laughs> the numbers do indeed look like numbers that oh you would be my familiar God. with. We're going to need more hints, Danny. We're, we're completely... Uh, tell me what... Yeah, what? Tell me in explicit detail what a normal number pad should look like. Okay, so you have little square metal numbers. Like you have this zero and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I guess. And then here you have like other little... Things you said there was an arrow. Amidst this, there have already been two things that are not true about this number pad. Oh my that god! That are related okay. to each other. So, what's so, the layout of the numbers? Are they in a weird layout? Yes. The zeros here, the ones here, the the twos here, and it doesn't have numbers on it because it does have numbers on it it has zero to nine the other thing was it is not those metal buttons that you might expect is every button a fingerprint scanner yeah that's what i was gonna say you're getting closer it's not a fingerprint scanner it is still they need to input the correct number code to open this door but you are blazing hot so like if you're not an authorized person you wouldn't be able to activate that pad no, you could if you knew what you were doing, but the way this thief went about it and the way he thought he could figure out what the code was, was not enough in order to get in there, in order to figure out what it was. Is it one of those number pads where each button is actually its own little screen and the numbers constantly change places all the time? So the one is here and the next time you go to put the code in, it's down here and then it's up here. So you can't, you can't shoulder surf. That is exactly what it is. Oh, it wasn't about seeing the it. numbers. This thief tried to see the positions that the person's hand moved, but this is a little LCD screen lock, and so the numbers shift every time. So never will the wearing away of numbers be the problem. I've even seen one of those. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we won. Emily, we did it. We beat Tom. <laughs> <laughs> In the last building that we lived in, it was a brand new building, which I don't know if it's the same where you live, but here that means loads of problems. Our key yeah, card yeah. would not let us swipe it to get into our building. We would always have to go in via the garage or via another building. But one day I got home at exactly the same time that a workman was arriving and he had the special workman's code to get into the building. So I did a sneaky shoulder surf and from then on never needed to use my key pass for the rest of the time we lived there. And we never got it functioning, so that keypad was all we had. And that number was <laughs> 24328, if anyone would like to get into 97 Acacia Avenue. <laughs> well done. This thief realised he had wasted his time because the keypad randomises the number positions each time you look at it. Our last question then was the one that I asked the audience right at the very start of the show. Sapphire gemstones occur in a variety of colours, except for one that can't be bought. Does anyone know what that is? Do you want to take a quick guess before we uh, we head onwards? Is sapphires the one that... They're the same as rubies, technically, so you can't find a red one because that will always be listed as a ruby? Absolutely right. 
Oh, there yes. we go. Red <laughs> sapphires are rubies because they were discovered before chemical analysis figured out that they are actually just the same mineral. I'm leaving now. Finishing on a high note. We're done. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> on that high note, uh, let's start with Amelie. Tell us what's going on in your life. Where can people find you? So you can find me on my YouTube channel, the flute channel, where you can listen to some flute or get better at playing the flute. And there's also the Flute Talk podcast. And next up, uh, this time, let's go to Bill first. Plug the podcast, plug what you're doing. Uh, Yes, if you want to check out other stuff that Danny and I are doing, uh, you can check out Escape This Podcast, where we have guests on to solve audio versions of escape rooms. And the other half of that podcast is Danny Seller. Our other one is Solve This Murder, where we create and then solve fictionalized crime for when all the true crime becomes a little too real. <laughs> and if you want to know more about this show, you can find us at lateralcast.com, where you can send in a question of your own. You can find video highlights at youtube.com slash lateralcast. And we are at lateralcast pretty much everywhere. Thank you very much. It is goodbye from Bill Sunderland. Goodbye. Danny Seller. See you next time, I'm sure. And Emily Broder. Thanks for the game. It was very fun. I've been Tom Scott, and that was Lateral. <laughs>